on this week's episode is netflix still the king of the streaming jungle which streaming service is the one to watch and what streaming service could be on the way out all this and more as we go back to streaming school and reach our next stop the pcc multiverse Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with a special episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give us a five star review wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, the Lakers Fast Break. Inside Sports Fantasy Football, Game Source, the great folks at Vampires and Vitae, the even greater folks at Wizards and Wine, and everything that we do because we're the number one tabletop RPG streamer on Facebook. And if you go ahead and like and support all that, because we are also the best place to go for the latest news and trends in pop culture, right there for you at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. And if you can support all that, give us a like, give us a subscribe. Wherever you see Pop Culture Cosmos, and if you do that, it is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a PCC multiverse without my good friend. She is the evil mastermind, according to what Rob just told me a little while ago. I'm kidding, of course. That's of, who talking to. Yeah, well, absolutely, yes. That's correct. In, in between the marinara sauce. Of Wizards and Wine and Vampires and Vitae, it is a great person indeed. You got to go ahead and check out what she's doing today at Pop Culture Cosmos, where she has a ton of stuff that she does, including Vampires and Vitae, also as well Wizards and Wine. Those great, awesome games are available right there in their entirety at Pop Culture Cosmos, but also in podcast form, you can catch it wherever you get your podcasts at Vampires and Vitae and also Wizards and Wine. It is my good friend, Miss Melinda Barkhouse-Ross. And Melinda, we're going back to streaming school today. I'm into it. I've been wanting to go back to school. Maybe I want to go back too as well. Right? I've been thinking I about going it. back again, my master's. There you go. Absolutely. But for today, we're going back to streaming school because it is streaming 101 right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. We are going into depth on the streaming services today we're going to talk about as many streaming services the major ones anyways that we can talk about we can talk about what they're doing now in the future going forward we're going to see if any one of them is destined to be a big hit in the future and which ones may be destined to fail we know that a lot of emphasis lately has been put on the world of netflix we'll definitely talk about that but also amazon prime paramount plus Disney Plus, the whole nine yards. We'll be talking about the streaming services on today's show. So sit back, enjoy. We're going to be talking some streaming services. Melinda, 
I know you're excited, but before we head into that, I want to go ahead and ask you real quick if you can just mention exactly what you do for Wizards and Wine and also as well, Vampires and Vitae. All right. So Wizards and Wine, new campaign underway called The Wild Beyond the Witchlight. I'm going to be running two groups through it, and the decision of one group will affect the game of the other. Not sure exactly how that's going to work yet, but... That's why you're a DM, right? You just figure stuff out as you go. So recently just finished a, a brand new intro for that, mastered it and got everything taken care of this morning. So that's fantastic. And yeah, we're just uh, really looking forward to getting the ball rolling for Wizards and Wine. For Vampires and Vitae, I play Esther. She is a vampire who can talk to spirits. <laughs> yeah, sometimes to her detriment. Well, actually more often than not to her detriment. And we hope that you can join us for one of the two shows. We have a lot of fun putting them together. And for both of them, it's really a comedy of errors when we put the shows together. So bear Absolutely. with us. Oh, no worries. But it's a great time indeed whenever you get to check out Wizards and Wine and also Vampires and Vitae. So I sincerely hope you do. But I'll tell you what, Melinda, you and I, when we talk each and every week, it seems that we cannot avoid talking about something on a streaming service it has completely changed the way we as consumers watch and interact with television these days before we go into the big entities and all that your thoughts on how your viewing habits have changed due to streaming services oh I, yeah i absolutely don't watch regular tv anymore I just don't. I don't need to. Everything that is interesting and everything that I need to get caught up on, I catch on streaming services. And perhaps that's to the, the detriment of regular cable. I don't know. But I like that I can hit a subscription plateau and uh, I don't even have to deal with ads anymore for most cases with these streaming services. So that's a huge bonus to me. Okay. So for me, I will say that it has done something... For me, as far as make TV watching important to me again. Yeah. I think when the latter half, I would say the first decade of the century, 2008, 2009, 2010, by that time, I really stopped caring about what was on television as far as programming really was concerned. There'd be some things maybe I would watch here and there. Obviously, sports for me because I do host the Lakers fast break, but it really wasn't appointment watching for me at all. And then Netflix in the next decade really started to bring in some different viewing habits with the way they would drop seasons all at once. I know that my friend on the Lakers fast break, Laker Tom, as an older individual, he said, I can't do episodic viewing anymore. He couldn't stand watching Winning Time, which was just recently run on HBO Max. He couldn't stand watching it week by week. He is a binge guy. And I think that's what changed a lot of our viewing habits is, okay, now that we can DVR everything, now that we can go ahead and watch everything as far as on the season, we'll just go ahead and let it drop and then watch it from there. It's totally changed the way we view television and television shows and also up the ante on quality as well because I think that the quality of broadcast and cable television was on its way down before the advent of streaming and really streaming came into play. So I really think that the streaming wars if anything, has upped the ante. It reminds me of the Monday Night Wars of WWE and WCW. They had to put out a better product because they were battling against each other every Monday night. And the same thing holds here as far as the streaming wars. You have to put out good stuff or nobody's going to watch. And you have to do it consistently. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's something we'll definitely talk about. There's like <laughs> one particular streaming outlet in mind I have on that. So you and I are actually going to be administrators. We're going to be teachers for this examination in regards to the streaming services. So we're going to try and get through as many as we can. But first up is, I guess you can still consider them the king of the jungle in the streaming marketplace because they still, at this time, to what we're seeing, still have well over 200 million subscribers. It is Netflix. I know earlier this year, obviously, the news that they had lost a considerable amount of subscribers. They've lost a considerable amount of people who've had interest in the product. I know that the stock itself has devalued by quite a substantial amount and led to losses of certain projects and cancellations of certain things that they were heading to do. But I think the future is still there for Netflix. I just think it's somewhat guarded at this point in time. They couldn't keep up the kind of spending that they were doing because of it. Now that their shares are now devalued so greatly as of this recording, it seems like they're revaluing things. One of the things they did is they've moved up some safe things like, for instance, Cobra Kai, which was being released at the beginning of the year, did so well for them. They now decided to move it up four months for a September release. They're now changing things around. They got rid of some animation projects. They're now looking and investing more into gaming, that aspect of it. The movies, they're still there, but they're going to be a little bit hesitant on, I'm assuming, about spending a whole ton of money on on certain projects in the, in the near future. But your thoughts on Netflix and where it stands right now as we're going ahead and seeing the landscape change in these streaming wars. When I talk about hurdles that these streaming services are going to have to overcome, what I'm really talking about is money. So I think this is the first time that Netflix has really had to face much of a hurdle when it comes to the dollar amounts that they're able to pull in. I think there might have been a bit of an overreaction on the part of Netflix for this one in terms of pulling back on production of things and scaling back on production of things. I think that they should have just kept the course. And I think that they should have continued to put out the volume of content that they have traditionally been putting out. And I think that this is something that Netflix is going to learn a lot from. And I just don't see them giving up the crown of King anytime soon. I think that they're going to remain the biggest, if not one of the biggest players in the streaming market. Absolutely. I think that it's going to take a lot for them not to be considered as such. But I do think that as the prices get higher and the monthly charges keep on getting there, they're going to have to support it with a whole bunch of stuff, with a whole bunch of ideas, maybe out-of-the-box ideas. They're still talking about gaming in a good sense. They're still talking about the things that they're doing with development studios to either build mobile gaming or even go into console gaming. But console gaming, I think that part of it is going to slow down a little bit too because of the costs involved there. But I think that they're bread and butter as far as producing movies. The Gray Man is something that they're they're going to be very interested in putting out there later this year with Chris Evans and Ryan Gosling. I know that's something that they're really pointing towards as being a big hit for them. They're doing something a little bit different that theater chain owners that we've talked about during CinemaCon, our conversation there, they talked about, come on over Netflix, showcase your movies here for a week or two or three, and then go ahead and show it on Netflix. I think they're going to look into that a lot more. I think they're going to start thinking about things outside of the box, but still be able to put out the consistent programming. And that's the one thing that they've done better than anybody else is put out a lot of stuff 
that a lot of different people like and don't like, but still they put it out there. Will they be able to put out the kind of consistent content going forward in the future? That's my biggest concern. I absolutely think that they can because I, one of the things that I looked at before we started today was the dollar subscription fees for like all of these different things that we're talking about. And for Netflix, there isn't a tier in Netflix where you have to deal with commercials. That is number one for me. If I'm subscribing to something, I don't, I don't want to have to listen to commercials. Well, that's something they have talked about and they're thinking about doing also the password sharing. They're going to finally do something with that. But that's something they've talked about simply to go ahead and try to retain a viewer base that's becoming more cost conscious out there. Right. And I mean, 10 bucks a month gets you no commercials and it gets you Netflix on one screen in your house. So if everybody is in the living room, you know, you throw on Netflix for an evening of entertainment and it's going to cost you 10 bucks a month. Mm -hmm. If you want to have four screens, then you're going to go up to $20 a month, but you still don't have to concern yourself with commercials. You can have some on the tablet when you're going to spend a couple of hours locked in the bathroom, <laughs> maybe having a tub instead of reading a book, you binge some Netflix, whatever you've got to do to get yourself a little bit of peace and quiet once in a while. But I still feel like Netflix has a way to go before they begin to price themselves out of the market, even with the price increases that we're seeing. So... We still think the future is pretty good for Netflix with yeah. what's coming up on their slate, movie-wise, also as well, television shows. You still got Stranger Things that's coming up later this year. You still got, like I said, Cobra Kai, a favorite of theirs, and actually something that's been a pretty good hit for them. Actually, it was a great hit on YouTube before it even got over to Netflix. That's being moved up a few months. You still got other shows on the way. Bridgerton has been a good success for them, even in season two and some other things as well. But overall, if you have to give it a grade right now and where they're standing, instructor Melinda, what would you give it? Well, there were a couple of things I was looking at when I was giving my grades. I was looking at affordability. I was looking at buzz programming. Things like Squid Games would fall under that category. Ease of use, that is huge for me. If your interface is confusing or I have a problem understanding whether or not I can watch this for free or if I have to pay another rental fee, I'm going to have an issue with it. And international availability was a big one for me because, for example, before I moved down here, so about two years ago, Hulu not available in Canada. That might have changed by now, but I haven't heard anything about that. So to me, Netflix, I'm still going to have to give it like a B plus or an A minus. It's up there for me. There you go. I'm not too far behind. I'm going to say right now a B or a B plus. They still have got more content coming out on a weekly basis than anyone else. And I think that's the key. If you are going to go ahead and produce stuff out there, you got to go ahead and produce it and be able to go ahead and provide everyone out there, not only with a deep library, which they have, they have a deep library of products out there and shows that are the backbone still of their network. They still have a lot of stuff as far as NCIS and some other shows that are really a great part of what they're doing, but they still need to go ahead and continue on with fresh programming that people are consistently talking about. And on that end, they haven't put out as much that people have been talking about. There's been other networks that have been putting out stuff that people have been talking out a little bit more, but right now they're still the tops when it comes to putting out as much content out there as possible and seeing what sticks. So I'm going to give them a B plus as well. Thanks for checking out the PCC, you know, the pop culture cosmos. We'll be back in one moment. Hey, Lakers fans looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news information 
original videos, articles, podcasts, opinion pieces, and discussions about the Los Angeles Lakers, well, look no further than Lakerholics.com. With a legion of followers always there talking about everything Lakers and the NBA, there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run. So stop by and be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. My friend, it still continues on for us here at Streaming 101. The classes continue. Let's go to Disney Plus and Disney, which is on the rise. Well over 100 million subscribers right now in the queue for them. Things are looking pretty good this year. Turning Red has been a big success. You had recently the wonderful show that a lot of people really enjoyed and was really good out there for them in Moon Knight. You had Hawkeye that came around, which I've raved on and on about. You have the Book of Boba Fett that came out earlier this year. And you also have in the Star Wars realm, you have Kenobi coming up. But I still see gaps. And that's my main problem with Disney+. Plus. There are still gaps in content when a Marvel show goes away or a Star Wars show goes away and you're waiting for another one to arrive. What they have in between isn't quite working for me. So I want to hear your thoughts on Disney+. Plus. Again, Disney+, Plus seems to be still on the rise. Their numbers are still growing, which is a good thing. I still think that at some point in time, they need to go ahead and suck up Hulu and combine it all into one platform. I think that's something that is, I think, going to be necessary down the road. They want to get to that plateau where Netflix is at right now. But your thoughts on Disney+. Plus? The the value in Disney Plus for me is I mean obviously all of the Marvel stuff, all of the Star Wars stuff, being able to watch everything that Pixar has made, being able to go in and watch movies that, you know, you can't buy on DVD because they're still locked in the Disney vaults, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Watching all Emperor's of, New Groove for the 500th time. Oh, like so many times, followed by Hercules, if I still haven't fallen asleep yet. <laughs> I mean, the music in that movie, excuse me. Um, what does Rob say, your husband Rob say, when you go ahead and you're watching Emperor's New Groove? Oh, you're watching that again. Yeah, well, it used to be one of his favorite movies. Used to, used to be. <laughs> keywords there i mean bless his heart right um but what i what i do like about disney plus is it's super easy to navigate yeah it's right there if you want to watch marvel you go to the big word marvel if you want to watch star wars you go to the big star wars but their interface is better than any other streaming service yeah i, think it's I agree close. it's really slick i i also do like that right now you can bundle espn plus and kulu all into one subscription package I do like that. I think their affordability is really good. You can get a subscription. They start at like $7.99 and you still don't have to worry about commercials, which is huge for me. And even those gaps that you're talking about, I don't have such a problem with them because I'm such a big fan of going back and rewatching some of the Disney movies that I haven't seen in years. Lately, it hasn't been so much Emperor's New Groove. It's been a little more Zootopia, to be honest. Yeah, for me, there's just no lacking in something to watch. Every time I turn on Disney+, Plus, I very seldomly back out of the app without having watched something. But I told you the story of how earlier this year there was that five six week gap between major marquee franchise things that you want to go ahead and put out there on disney plus and i got wind of other things that i caught i would have caught severance which is right. currently it's as of this point in time the best 
show I've seen in 2022. I would have never seen that had Disney Plus kept my attention, but there was that period of time where it does have people's eyes wandering because I am one of those individuals, okay, what's next? What's next in Rise? And Disney has a lot of IPs they could still go off of that they could still make fresh shows. I know they have Percy Jackson coming sometime in 2023. I know they have more Star Wars and Marvel on the way, but they have other IPs that could be something special. Tron could be something that has been thrown out there as far as reviving that brand and some other brands. Treasure Island, making a live action Treasure Island. I know that's been talked about. There are so many things that they could do to put out there that I think is better than the extra content that they put out currently today. Again, I don't really have as much of a problem with that as you do because I don't mind going back and and digging back into the Disney and Pixar back catalogs and and finding stuff that I haven't seen in forever. I have a feeling Monsters, Inc. is coming up on my list again. Uh (laughs) Oh, watch out. Seems like the right way to go. I don't know why, but I really enjoy Disney+. Plus. I enjoy all of the big titles that come with it. I think that they have all of the really buzzworthy stuff that's happening here in the next couple of months. It all seems to be pointing towards Disney+. Plus. If I had to give them a grade with international availability, check mark beside that, ease of use, like five stars on there, buzz programming we've already covered, and affordability. So what grade would you give it? I'd give it an A. I think it's great. Mm. I would. Uh, Myself, again, because the lack of content that's not named Marvel and Star Wars, a fresh new content. Of course, they have a deep catalog, and that's to be applauded. And of course, they have the Star Wars and Marvel shows, which for the most part have been very entertaining to watch. I am not going to put them as high as I can Netflix, so I'm going to put them right around a B. I think that's a solid grade for them. But I think things are looking on the way up for them. As long as they're able to go ahead and put out the Star Wars and Marvel, that will keep people. But if they can put out anything else that clicks with a large audience... And I'm sorry, stuff like Sneakerella isn't really going to do it for a lot of people out there. But if they can put out some type of series that's not named Marvel or Star Wars that can really connect with an audience, watch out. I think they could be in the running to overtake Netflix sometime, maybe late 23, even early 24. We could be talking a whole different ballgame there. It's true. And I, I think that out of all of these... And I'm probably going to eat my own words here shortly after we continue on. But I think that Disney and Netflix, to me, are the two most complimentary streaming services. If there's nothing on Netflix, there's going to be something to watch on Disney Plus and vice versa. It just seems like the two of them work very well side by side on the screen. Well, the other main one I really want to talk about on the front side of this episode, we'll talk about Hulu, Apple Plus, Peacock, Amazon Prime, Paramount Plus. We'll talk about those on the back end of the episode. But the other main one I really want to talk about, I'm thinking of the big three. And yes, I know Amazon Prime has 200 million subscribers, but we all know why people are subscribing. It's not because of the Amazon Prime television. Now it's just becoming an extra thing. And we'll talk about that on the back end. But HBO Max and Discovery, before we head to the break, is something I think is now you're going to consider as a number three. Because I know you and I had this conversation. When they ended after the wonderful, and I use that in quotations, Matrix Resurrections, which unfortunately at the same time killed the Matrix IP. Yes, at the same time. I remember that on the worst of shows that we did. After that, 
there was quite a big of a question on what would the future would be like for HBO Max. We weren't sure if people would stay for programming because the day and date movies were no longer being shown and you no longer expected, you know, okay, I don't have to go to theaters. I can just watch on HBO Max. Well, they have done a great job of putting stuff out there, I think, better than anyone else this year. We're putting out consistent, quality, interesting, and buzzworthy programming this year than anyone. And I'm going to give them props. And they're about ready to add on the Discovery Channel. So when that finally merges between the Discovery Channel and HBO Max, because they've already merged as far as on the back end, they just got to do it on the front end for viewers. It'll be over 100 million subscribers strong. Right now, currently, they're closing in on 80 HBO Maxes as an entity by itself. So I want to hear your thoughts on this. They've had a sensational year with Euphoria, Winning Time, Our Flag Means Death, Tokyo Vice. They've had several shows that have really clicked with audiences, and there's still more yet to come that are coming down the road. So I want to hear your thoughts on HBO Max and Discovery. I think we got to loot them in. Getting Discovery, and if it merges on the television screen, if it merges in your plan by the end of this year, adding in all the reality stuff, the home improvement stuff, and everything that they have, that's going to be a big boost for HBO Max and would really put them center stage even more than they are now. Yeah, I agree. The only real gripe that I have with HBO Max is I don't like their interface. I agree. I Uh, absolutely agree. It's clunky. It's unclear sometimes how you're supposed to navigate it. I have a horrible time when I go in there and try to use it. The next thing that bothers me about HBO Max is I'm going to give you $9.99 a month and you're still going to force me to watch commercials, albeit limited commercials. They're the worst of the worst kinds of commercials. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's this new medication and there's 700 side effects that you may be dealing with. You know, it, I just, I don't like it. Well, but, HBO Max, uh, their their top tier does not require ads. Exactly. That's what I was just getting to. So for $14.99 a month, you get no ads, but that puts you pricier right now, I believe, than what Netflix is, right? They're right. No, they're in the same ballpark. I think Netflix well, it is depends. the you can go nine ninety nine for one screen with Netflix and have no ads. You can okay. go nine ninety nine and you're forced to watch ads with HBO Max. You're okay. still shelling out a hundred dollars a year. If you go up to fourteen ninety nine, you don't have to deal with your commercials and stuff anymore, and you get it's like a thirteen percent discount or eighteen percent discount. So for another fifty dollars a year, you save yourself from having to watch the commercials. Mm-hmm. But that also, to me, makes them a little more pricey because of that stipulation, because of the ads. And so because of that, and because I think their their interface needs work, I'm looking at like C plus B minus territory for them. Really? Wow. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I actually think it's a lot better because again, they've had a lot of success this year with their television shows. And I am really, really positive on their future going forward because they've really done a great job With the Game of Thrones prequel that's coming on the way, with, again, Westworld that's coming on the way, and so many other shows that they've got in the queue, they have done a great job of not only maintaining the big bump that they got from the day and date movies, they've actually increased it. So I'm going to disagree with you. I'm going to put them in the range of a B as well. Uh, I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm almost right there on a B plus, even A minus with them, because I think they've done an outstanding job of keeping and growing that base with the shows that they have the interface is awful i 100 percent agree on that 
how you cannot have easily available your franchises, your Harry Potters, your Batmans, your stuff like that, that are really accessible and just like one touch away. It seems like you have to search to find one of their hit movies each and every time out. In fact, I just recently finished a chunk of the subscription and I was looking through it each and every time out just to watch older Batmans or older Lord of the Rings and things of that nature. And it's really hard to find it. That should be right there, right in front, right every time you see it, just like the way that Disney Plus has set up, but it's just convoluted and their interface needs a lot of work. But the content that they're getting and the content that they're showing you and putting out there I really think it's, at this point, very hard to keep up with them. And I think Netflix has taken quite a note. Yeah, I think so too. If they just fix up that interface a little bit and give me a $10 subscription fee with no ads, their grade would be much higher. Absolutely. Well, there you go. You're convincing me. I won't put them in A minus B plus territory, but I will put them at a B simply because of the fact that, again, it's to me, it's about the content, but the interface mm-hmm. and the other stuff, the extraneous stuff. Maybe they'll clean it all up by the time that they finally merge on screen for subscribers with Discovery. Once they make that a big, happy thing, hopefully they will. If they're smart, they will. They'll reevaluate it. They'll look at it. But if you have thoughts out there on the streaming services, please, you can always share them with us. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, coming up next, we're coming on the back end with Streaming 101 continues with Amazon Prime, Apple Plus, Peacock, Paramount Plus, and Stars in Showtime. Which ones are kind of doing really well and which ones are kind of eh on the future? We'll talk about that coming up on the back end of the show. This is the PCC Multiverse. And if you're ready to talk toys, I haven't stopped talking toys. Let's get to it. It's the Jay and Rob Toy Show, and we're back for season two for 10 more episodes of Toy Talking Goodness. And this time, we talk Marvel figures, we talk DC figures, Holy Grails, playsets, what if scenarios, and so much more. But we're not alone. We've brought a few friends with us this time. All that, and of course, our action figure spotlight. So check out the Jay and Rob Toy Show season two, exclusively on Jinx Esports TV Canada. And we're back with Streaming 101. It's Gerald Glassford, along with my good friend, Mrs. Melinda Barkhouse Ross, the instructor for today when it comes to the streaming services. My friend, great to have you here, still talking streaming services. We've already covered. Netflix, Disney Plus, and HBO Max slash Discovery, I should say. Right. I want to talk about, first up, Amazon Prime. It also has 200 million plus subscribers, but again, their business is still trending towards other things. They've dipped their hands in so many different things. It is, to me, still the best value subscription. It beats any of these hands down because of all the things you can do. Now, it really doesn't have the largest catalog comparatively of good quality stuff as much as say a netflix or disney plus but it's got a lot of stuff out there for it as far as on the amazon prime video end and with the boys with the lord of the rings with jack ryan in his final season as was just announced recently and a spinoff baby coming with michael pena on that coming along the way and some other things the marvelous mrs Maisel. They've got a quality line of stuff. And again, The Boys, like I said, Invincible. There's some great shows there. I don't see why they can't compete going forward. And if they make more of an emphasis like they have been, like they're leaning towards into the video marketplace, why they can't come out on top as well. They're bubbling just below the surface for me. 
unless I go for something specific like The Boys, I have a hard time finding something to watch on Amazon Prime. Agreed. Uh, but I just think that with Amazon, you really need to find a way to focus on what it is you're doing. If your Amazon Prime subscription includes your free delivery, it includes a music service, it includes a television service, you need to dazzle me with something more than movies from 1976. I just think that if they could find a way to focus a little bit more on their content creation side of it, or even on their canon of who they're bringing in to help and who they're hiring to either create new content or the people who are responsible for going out and finding that really special content to put on something to keep it maybe a little bit more of a niche streaming service than trying to be a catch-all and pleasing a bunch of people, I think that that could be a huge advantage for them. I agree with you. So seeing what's on the plate, again, I think it is the best value subscription. So if you told me that I could only have one subscription, I would have to say because of all the different things they can do, plus the fact you can hear the Pop Culture Cosmos on Amazon, (laughs) I'd probably say that I'm going to lean towards Amazon Prime just because of the fact it can do a lot of things. It's a jack of all trades and master of none. If it does come close to mastering a video end of it, And it could be on its way, depending on what we're going to see with Lord of the Rings and how much people are going to be talking about that later this year, because that's a huge gamble, a $500 million plus gamble for them. So all that said and done, I'm going to give them as a video entity right now. I'm going to give them a B minus, but everything else involved, again, they're the best value out there, I think, for the subscription, for what it can do and all that stuff, but I think their future looks good. And if Lord of the Rings is is a success, look out for Amazon Prime. I can't remember, Gerald, can you refresh my memory? Was the Wheel of Time show, was that on Amazon or was that on HBO? It was on Amazon? Yes. Yeah, see, that was a show that made me go to Amazon to watch it, but I didn't stay on Amazon. And same thing with The Boys. The Boys is incredible, but you're gone after a few weeks. Yeah, exactly. So because of that, I'm going to be so much harder on them than you were. I'm looking at like a C minus. Wow. Yeah, I'm looking at like my average in high school. Just no bueno. It's not good. (laughs) Okay, so I guess no apple for for you coming to your desk. All right, there you go. (laughs) Right. Another entity that has the funds and it's just starting to get into some really good programming. I have been on their case for years. Mm-hmm. And finally, they've had the success with Ted Lasso. They've had the success with The Morning Show. They've now had success with Pachinko. They've now had success with Severance, which is absolutely, again, the best show on television right now. And some other things coming up on the way. I see some promising signs for Apple Plus. It's never been about money with them. It's been about focus. And their focus really hasn't been too much on Apple TV Plus. Until now. So I want to hear your thoughts on Apple TV+. Plus. This, unfortunately, is one of the services that I have the least amount of experience with. I don't ever watch it. I couldn't even tell you what the interface looks like, unfortunately. It's okay. Nothing has really grabbed me to watch it. I'm not saying that the shows aren't good or anything like that. There's just anything that I've seen about the shows that are on there haven't really grabbed me and, and made me go and get my credit card and go and add a subscription to my account. It hasn't inspired me to do that yet. So I'm still waiting. 
So I'm going to say for Melinda, the grade is inconclusive. It's something hopefully she will go ahead and have a grade down the line. For me, I'm going to go ahead and say it's a C plus right now. Again, some things that are starting to flesh out there. But for me right now, I'm going to be a little bit generous with them and say it's C plus just because their outlook going forward. They have the association with the movies as well that they've done with Tom Hanks and some other notable stars, Denzel Washington, The Tragedy of Macbeth. That was a great movie for them. Coda has been a big success, won the best picture. So I see a good future going forward for Apple Plus. I think right now, C plus, I'm going to give it to them based off the fact that they have so much going forward in the future. So here's one that I know you'll like because they delve deeply into an IP which you have loved so much throughout your entire life, and that is Star Trek. Yes. And that is Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, a couple years ago, was Star Trek Discovery and not much else. And anything that they were putting on there, maybe some CBS reruns and things of that nature. Ever since they did the redesign to Paramount Plus and they did the huge amount of advertising in the Super Bowl and they really reshaped what they were going to do going forward, I think that was the cue. I think that was the sign last year in the Super Bowl, that major advertising campaign. They reshaped the way that they could go ahead and do business going forward. And what they were before to what they are now as Paramount Plus, it's night and day. And now they have a ton of great shows out there. Yes, a lot of it is based on Star Trek. We've talked about Star Trek Strange New Worlds. This series debuted recently. You have Star Trek Picard going into its final season. You have Star Trek Discovery coming out as one of their top shows. But you also have other shows on the plate. Halo was something that a lot of people were talking about, did huge numbers for them. One of the biggest video game entities of all time. And despite Josh and I eye-rolling throughout each and every episode, it was still something that people were watching and where people were talking about. And again, we will support it because it is a video game entity. You have the 1883 prequel series to Yellowstone, which has done huge numbers. Mm -hmm. You have the CBS shows that like Navy SEALs and others that have been moved over to Paramount Plus. Plus, you're still getting the back catalog of CBS shows and Star Trek shows and everything else that's going on there. I see a good sign. Their interface does need to be cleaned up a little bit, but I say overall, the thing is just approachability. The fact that they're not in all markets yet. They're still growing. They're still trying to get out there worldwide. But I say Paramount Plus is on the way up. And I give them a B minus. Trending on a B, but not quite. So I'm going to say a B minus, but things are definitely looking up for Paramount Plus. Yeah, I I agree with that grade. I think that that one's fair. You can get their essential plan, which includes Showtime, for $4.99 a month. Mm -hmm. It does include commercials limited commercials or you can jump in at 12.99 which is their premium level subscription it includes your live cbs channels like your regular local cbs channel which i thought was smart very smart because a lot of people have a lot of these different subscriptions but they keep regular cable because they don't want to lose those local channels. So they're able to catch the local news and and all of that kind of stuff. So I think that including that in a premium subscription fee is very, very smart. And actually, I'm going to give them a little bit higher than you. I'm going to go B for that. Okay. All right. Instructor Melinda gives... I think it's smart. Paramount Plus a B. I think the future is looking strong for them. I think it is. I think that the fact is that they've used Star Trek as a base 
I wish Star Trek would be getting a little bit higher profile because I never hear it amongst the top of the top as far as the ratings are concerned, but it still has that base of viewers. And the fact is that they have revived the Star Trek IP to some extent after the movies kind of died out. At least the last one didn't retain the audience. I think that a lot of people were hoping for. So the fact that they were able to with Discovery, with Picard, with Lower Decks, with what we're seeing now with Strange New Worlds, they're able to go ahead and reintroduce everybody to the world of Star Trek and make it accessible to a modern audience. I think that they deserve a lot of props. So there's our thoughts on Paramount+. Plus. If you have thoughts, on again, on any of the streaming services that we're talking about, we'd love to hear some feedback from you. Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Hulu for everybody right now is still something, as Melinda mentioned earlier in the show, they get a lot of their basic customers off the bundling program. Let's put it out there. Yeah. And then also as well, the Hulu TV advantage that they have in the North American market where they bundle that often with a live TV option. The service itself, yes, they still have a lot of ABC shows that go right directly to Hulu. And they still have the Orville and some other shows that are really a part of what Hulu does. But to me, it still seems like it's another streaming service. It's something that doesn't get to the forefront of conversations there, even if with all the FX stuff that goes there as well. Your thoughts on Hulu as an entity. I know you still watch it. I know it's a great place to catch anime. I know that Netflix and Crunchyroll has done a lot, but Hulu has done a lot as well on the anime side of things. The thing with Hulu, though, it is one of the older streaming services and it's still yet to even get close to 50 million subscribers even with the fact that they're often advertised as being bundled with disney plus and espn plus they have still even after all these years not attained a certain level of success that in fact they had a chance to be the netflix of the streaming wars and they didn't do it they didn't get it done So for that instance, I've always had this downward look towards Hulu, despite all the great programming, murders in the building. That's something that's been a good hit for them. Yeah. It just just seems to me, though, that Hulu has not done enough with what's been given to them. Yeah, I agree. And if you just want Hulu, you don't want to have to bother with Disney Plus if nothing on there strikes you as something that you would like to watch. You can get no ads on Hulu for $12.99 a month. Mm Mm-hmm. And that puts them in, to me, in league with the price points of Netflix because twelve ninety nine gets you two screens on Netflix and it gets you no commercials. So uh, that's a big deal for me. I do think that their interface, like it's almost there. It just mm-hmm. a little bit of tweaking and think that they could really have something special when it comes to that interface. I think just the navigation just needs to be a little bit more clear. But in terms of a grade, shoosh, I'm going to have to knock them back because I wrote that down incorrectly. Um, I'm going to go like C+. That's a lot more generous than I would give them. Yeah. Again, to me, is it something as, well, I look at them as the overall landscape. What their future looks like, I still think that they need to be bought up entirely by Disney+. Plus. I think they need to go ahead and get absorbed into the Disney Plus consortium. I think that bundling is great, but I don't think that people are still doing it to the point where it's becoming effective enough for what they're doing going forward. Hulu is trying to ride the back off of this and not really standing out on its own. 
And it's had every opportunity to do so after years and years of years of being out in the streaming marketplace ahead of so many of these others, even their own Disney Plus. They had years of a head start and still couldn't get it done. I know that Disney owns only a majority of Hulu, but still, the fact is that something needs to be done in regards to Hulu's future. I'm giving them a C minus simply because of the fact that they have a nice array of stuff that's there, content that's there. Nothing to the point where it's buzzy or got to have, but they do have a ton of stuff there. I think people need to go ahead and check it out, but it's not to the point where it's a got to have streaming service. It's never been where it's going to be at the point where you could say it's a got to have streaming service. So if it's never been a got to have streaming service, then it doesn't look like that in the future. Why do I got to have Hulu outside of the live television options? I need to have Hulu because that is complimentary, again, to Netflix. A lot of these are complimenting Netflix. And when I was doing my research for today, I really kind of came to that conclusion. But I think that one of the reasons that keeps Hulu around, at least in our house, is the level of anime that they have and the amount of it that is dubbed or at least it has the subtitles to it. And as long as you have those two options, I'm probably going to stay with Hulu as an option on my TV because we do watch a ton of anime at that house. Oh, there you go. Absolutely. But I still think it would be the best idea for them to go ahead and absolve themselves and get absorbed, raise the price up two or three dollars a month on Disney Plus. And there you go. I think that's probably the best option. Because they've had every opportunity to succeed and become that Netflix and they just hadn't got it done. Imagine a landing screen, right, with just three buttons, Disney Plus, Hulu, ESPN Plus. And then you click one of those and it opens up the tree. When you open up Disney Plus, then you have your Star Wars, your Marvel, your Disney, your Pixar. When you open up Hulu, it has all of their options there. I don't know. I just You know what it's called around the world? It's called the Star Network. And it's around the world. (laughs) And it's been something I've been claiming now that – Disney should have done here in the U.S. for years and in other areas where they're not doing it. I think it's something that they should go to and just get it done and do it right away. And I agree with you wholeheartedly. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip, or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. Before we head on out, there's a couple more streaming services I want to cover. And the final questions I want to ask you. Mm-hmm. Peacock, always been the brunt of our jokes over the course of the past couple of years. Universal, NBC, you think you would type of backing and the things that they could put on there. You really think that be, they'd be standing out more. But even with the different tiers that Peacock has as far as ad supported, free, and also pay non-ads, they really haven't branched out to where they're getting television that's compelling that people are talking about bel air has done pretty good for them the latest stuff that they've been doing so far with some of the other things have not really clicked with audiences the mcgruber show really didn't do that much for people 
Saved by the Bell just got canceled after two seasons. Nobody really was talking too much about the Olympics coverage. They're holding their breath on their sports coverage and live events. The WWE is a big part of what they're doing because they own the rights to the WWE Network for another three years, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. But after all that, they still don't even have the numbers that Hulu has as far as subscribers right now, even when you consider the free subscribers upon it. Or they're right in that range. They're right in the 30s, I believe, with the free subscribers. But that's still something that's not impressive to me for the time it's been out. I think there are directions that they can go to after the Fast and Furious series is done. If they own the rights, which I believe is part of Universal, that they do, they should look into that. They should look into a Jurassic World series. There are things that they could do to go ahead and become buzzworthy. But they haven't been buzzworthy at all since their inception. And I think they're very far behind all the others. I agree. I do think too, that there's a major opportunity for a collaboration between the universal movie slash TV side of things and the universal music side of things. There you go. Uh, I think that universal music could easily create really special events with top artists in their catalog. They could do live concerts or things like that, or they could even do like a behind the stage documentary about the latest Ariana Grande tour, for example, just off the top of my head. They could even go back and do classic albums that are in the Universal Music catalog, and they could do more of that kind of content. It's not like it would be that hard for them to make that happen because they're all under that Universal umbrella. And I think that that's just such a huge opportunity. And I think that that would draw an awful lot of music nerds over to Peacock. So, Instructor Belinda, yes. if you're handing out a grade for Peacock, I think they need to go and stay after class. They need to have some extra homework. They need some tutoring because I believe that if any of the big ones are in trouble, streaming services down the road. I really think Peacock is the one that I'm pointing to as far as something that needs a whole revamp or something that maybe need to get out of the streaming services altogether. But I'm giving them a D. What are your thoughts on Peacock as of this point? There's a lot of potential with them. Obviously, I don't know who is in charge. If I did, I would have sent an email by now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I just think, I'm just kidding. I just think that there's no, so not. I mean, a little. I just think that there's so much opportunity for them if they would just build on the things that they're already very good at. I think that you would find people naturally start to gravitate towards them a little bit more. So because of that, I'm going to call it short-sightedness, but I don't mean it to be that harsh. Because of that level of short-sightedness, I'm going to have to give them a D. Pretty rough right now, Peacock. Star Showtime, I put as one entity, one combined entity, even though I know that they're not related, especially in Showtime. They've been around for seemingly forever, but they have enough programming, again, with both Stars and Showtime to go ahead and consistently have that niche audience, to have an audience that still catches everything that they do, whatever it is, whether it's Yellow Jackets, whether it's the great stuff on Stars, whether it's Outlander, whether you know all the great things that are on both of these outlets, but I don't see them getting to the point where we need to talk about them as a big entity, maybe even at some point in time, one or both getting acquired and getting their assets absorbed by one of these larger streaming outlets. That could possibly happen down the run. You talked about the bundle already with Paramount and Showtime. Your thoughts on Stars and Showtime, I think they're both quality 
excellent places to go for viewing television. The problem is they're not super important places to go. And with a lot of people, if you have to cut one, those two are often pointed and cited by being just that. I would almost encourage them to do like a Disney Plus move and take all of their IPs off of other streaming services, have them exclusively on theirs. For at least the beginning, the early stages, I would cut my subscription fee back as much as I could. I would go almost bare bones. And I would, again, make sure that that interface and the international availability was top tier important to me. And that's how I would continue to build both of those. With Stars, they have power. They've done a great job with Outlander. With Showtime, their catalog of shows that they've put out over the course of the years that they still have with House of Lies, Penny Dreadful, Ray Donovan, Homeland, Shameless, those shows are still a backbone of what people watch there. But at some point, I think that if they are going to be eyed by other entities out there for purchasing them as assets and putting them on a larger streaming platform, I think it could happen. But stars with what you see there, again, with all the great stuff that they have and Showtime, they are very underrated, but they're also very appreciated. And again, those two are just under the radar. Under the radar, they just go ahead and do their business. I give both of those as a grade since they're smaller entities, but they have a lot of nice things to offer. I think that I give both a B minus, maybe even a B, but I do think that in their own world and in their own niche, they're really good things to watch. Yeah. And I think that much like the way that Crunchyroll is niche, I think that these two are niche as well. I think they're going to stay that way. Unless they get bought out. Right. And if they do get bought out, there's no reason why they can't continue to create content and have that thing under a different title screen or however you want to do it when you get into the interface of the app for whichever service it is that you're using. So because of that, and because they are choosing to stay niche, and I can appreciate that, having two podcasts that are niches of a niche. (laughs) Absolutely. I feel their pain. I understand where they're coming from. I also would be a little easier on a grade for those two sources. And I would probably put in the ballpark of like a C plus, maybe B minus. Yeah, around in the same range. But yeah, yeah, I'd be a little bit easier on those two than I say some of the ones that have bigger, grandiose plans and have things in place that would put them in a much larger general audience category. So yeah, definitely some good things, though, coming up always for Showtime and Stars. Well, that's a look at the major streaming wars, the streaming outlets that are there. I hope you've had a great time listening to our thoughts on the streaming future, hopefully as well for a lot of these networks, plus as well what we think of them today. If you have thoughts, again, on what's going on in the world of the streaming and the streaming wars, please let us know, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. But a last question I want to hold to you, three years comes down the line. Let's say 2025. Mm-hmm. Which entity of all these that we're talking about is the one that we're talking the most and which one may no longer be an entity at all? I personally think that we are still talking about Netflix and in the same sentence, we're still mentioning Disney+. Plus. I think it's going to become the two of those kind of scrapping it out for the general viewer, the audience. Yeah, it's going to be the two of them going after the audience. And I think that they're the two that are going to get into the ring together and they're really going to give us something that's going to be worth our time, not just for them to do the content and put the content out there. The one that's going to go away, 
Oh gosh. I mean, it might be Peacock. I don't know. I feel like there's a possibility that you could see Vince McMahon go ahead and, and decide that he wants to do his own stuff. So if you have Peacock just because the wrestling stuff is on there and then the wrestling stuff is gone, you're probably going to go wherever Vince McMahon tells you you need to go to get that content. I don't know. I feel like this, the future is the most up in the air for them. Or if the WWE sells, which has been long since rumored at yeah. some point in time that they could get acquired, you never know. They could be, after their $1 billion deal is up with Peacock, they could be bought out by someone else and go on that network. And like you said, what is there to watch on Peacock? And there, again, also, I agree with you, my least likely to succeed and the one that's most likely to go ahead and vaporize the way of Queeby and CNN Plus by the time mm -hmm. 2025 comes around. It is backed up by Universal and NBC, so got the money there. So we'll see what happens. But I think in 2025, I think Disney Plus will finally figure out its content woes and finally get some original content consistently outside of Marvel and Star Wars that will get people talking to the point where they have to have it and it will achieve that mystical 200 million subscriber base and actually... I think pass Netflix at some point in time. I think in 2024, maybe 2025. I think that Amazon Prime is the one to watch out for. They're the wild card. Them and Apple Plus are the wild cards because Apple Plus could instantly just put everything on their phones and, and it could put Apple TV Plus instantly free of charge on phones and, and iPads everywhere all over the world and instantly become the big king of the beach. But that's a way that they could go ahead and instantly go ahead and have that marketplace for all the stuff at Apple TV+. Plus. But when it comes to Amazon Prime, I'd watch out for them because they're a wild card. If the Lord of the Rings thing works out the way they want it to, watch out for Amazon Prime. Yeah, I agree with you there. And I think if Apple TV did do something like that, where they just made all of the content available and pushed it all to iPads and iPhones and iWhatevers, if they did that and they made it free to owners of said devices and then included the commercials, that would be a way for them to pay for it. It's once I have to pay a subscription fee and you're still going to force me to watch commercials that are not in any way targeted towards me at all. That's when I'm a little bit upset about having to watch a commercial. If you're going to give it to me for free, I'll watch four or five commercials. Okay, I lied. I'll watch three or four commercials. Okay, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. But Melinda, it's been a fantastic episode. Any last thoughts before we head on out? Yes. As soon as Crunchyroll fixes, well, perhaps it's just Funimation. It just seems like it's a mess when you're trying to go in there and try to find something to watch. Because you can find like season one, episode 24, but you really have to jump through hoops to go and find the entire season of the show that you're trying to watch. Their interface is horrible. I know that they're just moving over to Crunchyroll. I haven't played with Crunchyroll as much as I have Funimation, so I can't really talk to that one too much. But if you are a big anime person... That's definitely one that you want to check out. It should be on your radar. It should be on your radar indeed, especially if you, like you said, you are a big, huge anime fan. I know that we are, and I'm hoping that a lot of people get into it. But thank you so much, everyone out there, for watching our special on streaming. We go back to Streaming 101. We should do this more often. In fact, we should do this at least once a year, check in with the streaming wars. But we always check in with the streaming shows each and every time out right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. So for Melinda Barkhouse-Ross, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC 
multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great